We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. All right, here we go. Salute to Knicks Nation. CP the Franchise here checking in. Another edition of our NBA Draft Q&A uh, live viewer call-in. Today's guest making his return to the show. He is the lead NBA scout and, and uh, NBA Draft analyst for Bleacher Report, and that is Jonathan Wasserman. Jonathan, how you doing, man? Welcome back. Good. What's up, CP? How's it going, man? Yeah, pretty good, man. Uh, two weeks, officially two weeks away from uh, this year's NBA draft. Knicks currently sitting at uh, 19, 21, 32, and 58. Now, uh, we want to talk about some of the more realistic options for the Knicks. A lot of the mock drafts have uh, Sharif Cooper uh, at going to the Knicks at 19. Now, Tibbs has said he, he's looking for some more shooting and, and some wings. But uh, there seems to be a lot of guys, including yourself, that, that like Cooper there at 19. What's your take on him? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Cooper guy. Uh, I think to be able to get him at 19, uh, particularly for this particular Knicks team, yeah. uh, would be huge. And listen, every every coach, I feel like they're, they're, um, they're supposed to say, we need wings and we need shooters. I mean, every coach and scout says that pre-draft. Yeah. Um, because every team really does need that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's who they're exactly targeting in the draft. And so, yeah, I mean, the whole Knicks squad was there to watch Sharif during his pro day. Um, and I think, you know, if you're a Knicks fan, you know that this team needs creation. You yeah. need a guy who can make things happen with the ball in his hands. And to me, Cooper, maybe, you know, he, uh, except for Cade, um, you know, he's right there w- with a guy who can create something out of nothing. And not only does he have that elusiveness off the dribble, but his vision, his passing skills with both hands. I mean, I don't see any reason why he can't be a high assist guy in the NBA. So to me, he's a, he's a big target um, in my mind uh, or somebody that they should go after at 19. But there are also plenty of wings and shooters that will be available to them as well. Uh, absolutely, man. 20 and 8 
in his season at uh, at Auburn. As you said, the playmaking skills just jump out at, at the charts. Um, what are the scouts telling you, and, and from what you've seen, just break down film in terms of his um, shot-making ability? You know, didn't finish too well at the rim at Auburn, didn't shoot the ball very well at Auburn. You know, Knicks have that this year with, with Peyton, you know, running running and gunning out there. What are the scouts telling you about his, uh, his shooting upside? So when Cooper started... You know, he came he came in late this year, um, and he you know his first game was was a, was a big one, and you know I immediately was like this kid's a lottery pick, and I quickly put him in my top twelve or so, and every scout I reached out to was like you know slow down I, I see more of like a change of pace guy off the bench, he can't defend he can't shoot, um, and, and he's probably gonna have trouble finishing at the rim, and that's why we're even talking about a guy who could be available to the Knicks at nineteen because not everybody's on board. And certainly when you look at his shot, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't get much elevation off the ground. Uh, he leans back a little bit. Um, there's, there's some hesitation about how good of a shooter he could be. And, and obviously that's a big part of if you're a lead guard uh, and you can't shoot off the dribble, you know, that kind of lowers your ceiling a little bit. So yeah. there's definitely skepticism about his shot, um, which I think to me would be a good thing for the Knicks in, in, in terms of like him being available at 19. But yeah, I got to see him work out solo in, in Chicago and, um, you know, he didn't, he, you know, I got to see Trey Mann right after. And like when Trey Mann was shooting, you thought that everything that was going to leave his finger, fingertips was going to go in. You didn't really have that feeling with Cooper. Um, but at the same time, I think if you put Cooper in a lineup with shooters around him and you just say, look, sure, he played your strengths. I want you to go out there and get 15 assists. I don't care if you score once. Just create shots for guys around you. Uh, that's where I think he's most valuable. And, and then honestly, anything else would be a bonus in terms of his shot making, but there's no way you can expect him to come in as a rookie or even as a second year player um, and expect really results as a jump shooter. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Hey, look at, look at RJ Barrett, you know, took, took RJ, you know, well into a second, uh, second season to, uh, you know, really put up some respectable numbers and hopefully that, that carries over into his third year. And I agree with you. If they do take Cooper, even at 19, I mean, we, we desperately need a, a floor general as much as we do need scorers and, and shooters as well. Um, getting somebody that can help Julius create, you know, Julius took a, a, a significant leap as a playmaker this year with the offense, but we need more, you know, RJ showed a little bit. I'd like to see them uh, emphasize him in the offense. Uh, but, you know, getting somebody at the one w- would be critical. We saw that when D. Rose came in, you know, getting them in order in the half court transition, especially, you know, he was able to get OB going. And and so I, I think somebody like like Cooper can can certainly help. Um, no, I was going to say, like, yeah, in, the, in the playoffs, you know, obviously Randall struggled. Um, and part of that, I think, had to do with just everybody kept, you know, he was, there was so much pressure on him. Yeah from a media standpoint, but also on the court standpoint, like they, they rely so heavily on him to generate offense. Um, and just to have another guy to, to be able to create shots uh, would just take so much pressure off Randall. And so even yeah. if it's Cooper coming off the bench, you know, we talk about lead guard and starting point guard and, and you know, what's the ceiling, even just bring him off the bench. He's the yeah. 19th pick. Um, and, and so, you know, lower your expectations in terms of his ceiling and think more about his value to the specific roster mm-hmm. And as a, a spark, a change of pace guy off the bench, I think he still holds value to the roster. Hey, if you bring him off the bench, you finally have a point guard. Well, D-Rose did it, but you finally have another point guard that can get Obi going. 
you know, get oh Obi God. going in the pick and roll and, and the lobs. You know, I think that would help us tremendously. Mitchell Robinson hasn't had a, a, a consistent um, threat at, at the one, you know, to really get him going as well. So, yeah, I, Obi, I think, and, you know, Obi and Sharif would become best friends real quick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, now there's conflicting reports. People are saying that the Knicks didn't interview him. Uh, his uncle was on the Joe Button podcast and saying that they were at the workout. But, but you say that they attended his workout, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm told that a couple of them were, were there uh, for his pro day in Chicago. Okay. Uh, now, conversely, Terrence Mann, he's another guy that you see as an option for the Knicks at 19. Uh, scoring type with some playmaking potential. Um, how do you stack him up in, in terms of how he would fit with the Knicks? So, yeah, uh, Trey, I, mean, I keep saying Terrence, man. Trey, man. Trey, man. Out of Florida. I've, I've, I've done it a million times. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, Trey is like, um, so I just had this long conversation with this guy about, about Trey, and we're trying to figure out who he is on the NBA floor. And so he said to me, he's like, you think he's, first of all, he goes, I'm not, I'm not positive he's a point guard. And, and that seems to be the consensus. Nobody's really sure that he's the guy you want making decisions um, at, at, you know, 30 minutes a game is your starting point guard. I think optimistically you're hoping if he is going to be, he's going to be like a Darius Garland. Mm. Um, but then the scout said, you know, I think of him more as a combo guard. Is he better than Anthony Simons? And so uh, I could kind of see Simons as a good comparison, but I think man offers a little more playmaking potential. He's one of the better graded as one of the better pick and roll players in the country. Um, but uh to me, I think man's value is his shooting off the dribble, yeah. his floater game, his ability to create shots. You know, sometimes with man, I get a little frustrated because he's got the handle. He can shake and bake left and right and north and south, but he doesn't always use it, you know, the way it should be used. He doesn't always use it to, to create good shots for everybody around him. He's got a little bit of tunnel vision uh, and more of a scores mentality, which is fine. But I think if you, you know, when you're drafting him, you have to remember that he's you can't really use him as the guy to make most of your decisions kind of like quickly, like mm. quickly can make plays, but you don't want him 30 minutes a game as your starting point guard. You want him yeah. playing to his strengths as like a streak confidence score and catch fire. It's the same thing with Trey. And so I'm fine with taking Trey man at 19 or 21, but with the idea that he's, his job is to come in and, and make shots yeah. uh, and not really run your offense. Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because um, we we see a lot of these guys in the league, right? Like more more of the combo than the prototypical or, or straight playmaking type. Uh, and with the Knicks, and you've seen it with Randall. Randall took that step, and like I said, RJ certainly has potential. So it's kind of interesting there, you know, if they, if they took a guy like a man, if they felt like they would have enough playmaking, enough ball movement to to really get the offense going, because they could certainly use a shot creator there as well. Yeah, and you know, you wonder if Tibbs like is he does he really is he going to trust a rookie point guard, right? Or would he rather go after like you know pay five million dollars to get another Alfred Payton type, right. who is a veteran, who he you know Tibbs has he trusts those older guys to just you know push the buttons, just make make as many good decisions as possible, yeah, and uh, and give you some stability out there. It's tough to picture Tibbs. That's why I was kind of surprised that the Knicks were actually in. Or, or reportedly in on Sharif because he's a little bit wild four turnovers a game. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they, if they're willing to trust the rookie point guard or if they're going to say, let's get, you know, let, let's value shot makers and self creators mm. and try and get a, a veteran to really run the yeah. team. 
I wouldn't mind both, and I could certainly see them doing both. You know, whether it be a Lowry or uh, a Conley, you know, somebody that could set the table, and and maybe they still pick a, a Cooper that can kind of come up slowly, kind of like what Tibbs did with Quickly. I mean, Quickly didn't end up starting, but you know, he put him in those spots where he felt like he could succeed against those second unit players, and, and Quickly gave the Knicks a spark off the bench. Yeah, no, and and I love that uh, that Tibbs kind of recognized like we got to play this kid. He's He's just too good yeah. at making shots and the Knicks need shot makers and, and guys and get their own, but uh, not to, not to kind of change the subject here, mm. but we're talking about point guards in this draft who have some maturity and come off as veterans and Josh Giddy from Australia to mm. me. And I've, I tweeted this out before to me, he is, he's got to be one of the targets. If, if you're looking to trade up, mm. he has that veteran presence about him. And he's one of those guys who just makes good decisions, elite passing IQ, he may never average more than 16 points a game, but uh, the taller Ricky Rubio comparison is one I've been I've floated out there and, and scouts kind of are in on. So if they wanted to go that route and kind of drafting a veteran point guard, even though that, yeah. you know, that contradicts itself. Uh, Giddy is a guy who, who I'm sure they've done their homework on and, and have at least talked about moving up for. Do you think, uh, you know, obviously he's not necessarily LaMelo, but do you think LaMelo's success coming out of the NBL might kind of propel Giddy a little bit into, where do you see him going? I think Giddy's going to end up going, and his people are like, he's going, his people has been telling me he's going lottery, like from his first week playing in Australia, Mm. and the stock has only gotten higher or, or stronger since. And I know he just got an invite to the green room, and uh, to me, I think Orlando is in play at eight. Sacramento doesn't really make any sense because he's very similar to Halliburton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, who am I missing? Who's at, who's at number 10? At 10? Who's at 10? I'm blanking out here. Uh, well, he's going to oh, – New Orleans. So, okay, New, yeah. so New Orleans, I actually know that they're split on Giddy. Um, I don't think from, from the guys I talked to that, that Giddy would go 10 to the Pelicans. Uh, and then San Antonio, I just can't picture him getting past San Antonio. So yeah, I think I can see to that get Giddy, I think the Knicks would have to trade into the top 12. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, now, we, before we get into that next pick, on the subject of trades, right? You have Golden State at 7-14 and 14, uh, in, in another big position as they were last year with multiple picks. OKC, they've got three within the top 18. Um, I mean, how do you see potential trades shaking out, you know, within the lottery there? Yeah, there's going to be action. I mean, I I don't know what's going to happen, yeah. but there's certainly going to be action. I mean, and including the Knicks, like they're not walking away with three of those. No, I don't see three it. of their their uh, 1921 and 32. I mean, they're obviously going to trade one of those or try and package them. And, and same thing with OKC. Although OKC is the one team I could imagine actually sticks at every pick, just because their roster is at phase one of the rebuild, yeah. and they might as well take three swings in this draft and, and hope to, you know, get, catch a break and, 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 and get a stud as take as many swings as they can. Uh, Golden state is, is the interesting one. You know, they have, what are they going to do at seven? Are they going to keep 14? Are they going to try and try and move up into the top five with seven and 14? So they have Davian Mitchell in today. Hmm. I know people in golden state who are kind of split on Mitchell. Uh, and I think in general on the guys who are available at number seven, like most drafts, like there's there's that top tier, and yeah. there is this year, and then there's like the next group, and nobody wants to be part of that next group, and that's kind of where OKC is at six, and Golden State is with seven, so there's going to be a lot of phone calls. I have 
cannot predict what's going to happen, but uh, there's certainly going to be a lot of conversations about trades. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You also have Orlando sitting there at five and and eight. Yeah. You have a couple of veterans that are on the block. Simmons, def- Ben Simmons, definitely on the block. There were earlier rumors that uh, that Siakam could be on the block with Toronto sitting there with the fourth pick. I think Dame is a long shot. But um, how about Sexton? What do you think about uh, the Colin Sexton trade rumors uh, with the Knicks and, and just how that factors into Cle- what Cleveland might do sitting at number three? Dude, I was going to ask you about that. Um, I mean, like, Sexton is one of those guys, and it reminds me of, like, Zach Levine for the first five years of his career. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is he good or is he not good? He scores 24 a game, but but we still can't decide if it's a valuable 24 that helps your team win or if it's an empty 24. Uh, but he did it pretty efficiently. You know, 48% from the floor. He shoots the three well. I think if you if you accept the fact that he's not, a, you know, he's not the guy who's going to run your offense and you value his ability to score, then and you have the right pieces around him and like you have a guy who can get other others involved with Sexton then then it makes sense you know obviously where I have trouble and and this is the the big question is do you if you trade for Sexton you obviously have to resign him and, right. and what is he worth and and you know how does how does that impact your ability to get other guys and so that's where I'm uh, I'm struggling I'm I'm struggling yeah. to decide and and I didn't get to watch enough Sexton games this past season, I've watched him since AAU when he averaged 30 a game. I watched him in Alabama. I watched him more during his rookie season. There's no doubt this kid can score, and he's going to be one of the top scorers in the league for a while. Uh, he brings a a toughness and a swagger and intensity, and uh, an unlike ability. Like you know, guys don't like him, which mm. at some point is a good thing for depending on your team. Hopefully, your teammates like him, but yeah. opponents don't like him. He's got that brashness to him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't know. Do you resign him to a long-term deal? CP, what do you think? I think it's tough. I'm not a fan of paying twice. And that's why I'm leery of him. I'm leery of Lonzo just trading assets and then having to figure out how much you're going to pay him. You're hearing uh, numbers like five years, $168 million, which is kind yeah. of crazy. You know, and Ian Begley just came out with a report today saying that the Knicks are trying to keep the cap flexible for 2022. So that's that's another thing, you know, they bring him in. Um, how do they factor in, you know, having enough cap space for, for one max deal? And if that's it, you know, are you are you comfortable with a Sexton Randall one max players, quote unquote, if you even get that? Where is that really getting you? So I, I think it's a tricky situation, but based on the, the rumored parameters of the deal, you know, whether it's OB maybe 19 and, and Knox or some, you know, sort of concoction like that, I think the Knicks have to look into deals potentially along that route to try to improve the roster and get some talent in here. You know, so the, listen, yeah, yeah. So I heard, I saw that rumor the other day. Yeah. Um, I'd be shocked if Cleveland, and this is nothing against what the Knicks would offer, but yeah. every team obviously overvalues their own pieces, their own assets. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're Cleveland and you just had sex and average 24 a game efficiently, you'd imagine that Cleveland who drafted him, Kobe Altman drafted him. Right. Would and I'm not saying Obi is not going to be good, but Obi is unproven. Number 19 and number 21 yeah. are unproven, and Knox is really just a throw-in of zero value. So you're basically you're giving up a 25-point score who is 22 years old for for unproven pieces. I just don't see any way that Cleveland would ever make that deal. Yeah, um, and so that's kind of why I'm like, you know, it's fun to talk about this deal and think about whether Sexton makes sense for the Knicks. 
but I don't see Cleveland accepting a deal for three unproven pieces. Unproven. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, what do you, I mean, on the OB subject, though, because I came out with, with a tweet uh, a couple days ago, and I've been kind of saying this throughout the season. I just, I see redundancy with Randall, and I see if, if, because I don't see the positional flexibility. We haven't seen the coach willing to put the two of them out there in the lineup for significant minutes to see if they can, you know, mesh together in a small ball situation. I have a hard time really seeing how OB develops on this team if you figure that they're going to max Randall in a four, with a four-year deal eventually. Yeah, OB got screwed. And, and um, you know, the worst thing to happen to OB from a development standpoint was Randall becoming an all-star. And it's yeah. an unfortunate situation because, of course, if you're in New York, you love what happened with Randall. But, uh, you know, if they knew Randall was going to be this good, hard to imagine they would That's have right. taken OB. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, like – can they play together? I, I mean, obviously there are concerns about, about their defensive pairing, even though Randall was good defensively, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's hard to imagine Tibbs trusting the two of them together, particularly if they have, if they bring back, you know, if Mitch is there and, and or they bring back someone like Noel, but uh, yeah. So, so pretty much Obi right now is in the spot where it's like his job is to be the energy guy off the bench and coming out of the draft. That's not really what we expected and, yeah, and not probably what he expected. He was yeah. national player of the year. He led the nation in dunks and pretty much his job is totally different than it was at Dayton when he was a go-to guy. And now he pretty much stands around, stands around the arc, you know, waiting for a catch and shoot opportunity, or he sits in the dunker spot waiting for an easy catch and dunk spot, uh, catch and dunk opportunity. And I wish the Knicks ran a little more pick and rolls for him and a little more action towards the basket. Just gave him a little more opportunity. Um, I think there were some concerns that we saw that maybe a lot of his offense won't translate in terms of like, he's not a guy who can take you off the dribble from the arc, which mm-hmm. I think big guys need to be able to do. And, you know, he's got those high hips, his center of gravity in the post. He had trouble gaining position, you know, post-ups are kind of going away and the Knicks are not exactly going to feature Obi in the post, yeah. but it didn't look like when he got into the post with his back to the basket, he was able to overpower guys. You almost like hoped they cross your fingers that his shot would go in when he was in the post. But yeah, uh, there's still a role for him. I'm, I, I'm, I still have high hopes for him, but not if his job is to stand around the arc for 20 minutes and have no rhythm and be a fifth option in the Agreed. offense. So it, I'm sure that when, the, when we talk trade rumors with the Knicks, he's unfortunately, as much as I like him and, and, I, and I want him to be a part of the Knicks future, um, it, it's just like he can't maximize his potential on this team. Yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. So to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Another NBA draft Q&A CP here. You're just hearing from Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. If you guys have questions for Jonathan, call us up 657-383-1509. Or you can call us via the Knicks Fan TV Discord. So two ways to get to us. Make sure that you guys are tapping into the phone lines. Also, remember that this show is presented by Manscaped, the number one men's grooming tool below the waist. Fellas, summertime is here, and make sure you guys join over 2 million customers who are subscribed to these Manscaped products. You know I swear by it. This is featuring the Lawnmower 4.0, and they just debuted the Perfect Package 4.0. Featuring the Lawnmower 4.0, you get ball deodorant, ball toner, boxer briefs, It's a great package. Make sure you guys check that out. And uh, they, of course, they're offering 20% off plus free shipping. So you go to manscaped.com, enter promo code NYX, get 20% off plus free shipping. Okay. So another option at 19. This is a guy I really like at 19, and that is uh, Chris Duarte out of Oregon. 
Yeah, Duarte is uh, he's the same age as Devin Booker. Yeah. <laughs> so you better expect quick results from him. I actually just heard from a team yesterday who said he had a terrible workout. Oh, um, man. And he was not in shape. Wow. And um, and I think, you know, he didn't go to the NBA Combine. Mm. I'm told he was a little bit stubborn and that he would only want to – when you go to the Combine, you have to participate in, in specific activities there. You mm. can't do your own thing. And he refused to go a week without working out with his own guy. That's what I was told. Is that a red – I mean, that's got to be a red flag, right? Um. It, you know, I don't think it's going to stop a team from drafting him, mm-hmm. but um, I don't think he, you know, he hadn't played much and, uh, and supposedly it showed in this particular workout, but mm. it's not going to, you know, we've, we've watched enough of him for two years at Oregon to know what he does yeah. well. And I think with, with Duarte, like the guy can make shots and he's tough. Um, he's kind of like a badass, and, and, and that he's, he's a three and D guy. And, yeah. um, the question with Duarte is the shot creation. Is that going to translate? Mm. He's not, a, he's not a great athlete. He's not like wiggly or, or shaky off the dribble, mm-hmm. uh, but he's a good shooter off the dribble and he's a very good spot up shooter and he's got great defensive tools and he's tough and, and he's kind of got a pros mentality and you know, his background Juco to Oregon. Like he's one of those guys who just makes things happen with his career. So I'm good with Duarte for, for a Knicks team. If he's, if he's like, you know, you keep both of those picks, yeah, right? And, and you go with a young guy at one pick in Duarte as like 21. But, you know, I think there's a little more upside to be had in the 19 to 21 range than just Duarte. So, uh, yeah, sure, he's a target. And I've actually, I think in my last mock draft, I had the Knicks taking him just with the assumption that they're looking to win now. Suddenly the window has changed. Yeah. And he, he is one of those win now type of guys. And teams are watching, like Cam Johnson, you know, who, who was 23 when he was drafted, mm-hmm. and he's suddenly helping the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs. There's no reason why Duarte can't do the same thing in that same exact role. And so, yeah, so th- that's kind of the, the thing with Duarte. You better get quick results. Um, and, and if if he's able, if any of that creation in the pick and roll play is able to translate, even better. Yeah, and and that was the one that thing that thing that uh, stuck out to me was his playing the pick and roll, forty two percent from three, sixty three percent from twos. Uh, also excellent out in transition, which I think you know I always look at that area with the Knicks, especially with R J Barrett, you know, running yeah. the show in transition, just having um, a guy that can get you some spot up shooting there. And I think Duarte can help a guy that he looks ready. You know, tw- was he 24? 24, 24 years old, already twenty four. Sheesh. <laughs> That, that's that's interesting, man. But interesting to hear that uh, that he didn't have a much of a workout. But we'll see how that goes. Um, another guy that you like out of Tennessee, Jaden Springer. Uh, what's the what's the latest on him? Yes, I'm getting a lot of good reviews on Springer, and I don't. You know, that doesn't mean he's going to go top ten or or, or in the lottery. Uh, I actually have him as a lottery prospect. Mm. I just think he's a very safe pick given his age and versatility. Um, and, and character and somebody I've followed, I've seen him play live for many years now uh, as an IMG guy. Um, I don't know if he's the right pick for the Knicks, to be honest. Mm. I think some of his limitations might remind guys of, of Frank Nilakina in terms of, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's a combo. He's not really a point guard. He's not really a good enough score to be considered like your classic two, but he does a lot of things well. Mm. Um and, and I think he's going to be a very good defender at, at both backcourt positions. But I think he's going to take some time to see results. I think the comparison I've been using for him, and, and scouts are, are totally are, are on board with it, is D'Anthony Melton. 
who's mm. just got great defensive instincts. He's not your lead guard. He's more of a guy who plays off secondary action from the wing. You didn't see many pick and roll possessions at Tennessee, which angered a lot of scouts, but um, he makes pretty good decisions. You know, he can, he's a good spot up shooter. Um, once he's found an opportunity, you know, he's an opportunistic player. He's not somebody who's going to break you down off the dribble. Uh, I'm hearing now that his ankle is fully healed. And supposedly, according to his people, he was banged up all year and that, that limited him. He only had four dunks this year at Tennessee, but supposedly uh, he's blowing people away in workouts with his explosiveness and um, 41 and a half inch max vertical. His standing vertical was the fifth highest at the combine, which you would never guess based on watching film from him. But I think between his age, his ability to play on and off the ball and, and defend both backcourt positions and, and uh, somebody who impacts winning to me, um, he's, he's a very solid, safe prospect who, who probably has one of those high-end role-player ceilings. Interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. My guy, uh, Rafael Barlow, NBA Draft Junkies, uh, made this, the frank comparison. So uh, people in the chat weren't too thrilled with that. But, <laughs> you know, you, you know how it goes, man. But FIBA Frank is another story, man. FIBA Frank. Yeah. yeah. FIBA. I mean, listen, Frank listen, Frank was, like, you could say Jaden is, is the guy that we all thought Frank was going to be. You know, they're in the same umbrella, the same mold. Uh, comparing him is not saying that he's going to – you know, give you little results for four years. And then by the end of his rookie contract, you're probably going to let him go. Yeah. It's that he's that type of guy right? where he's not your lead guy. He's not your scorer, but you know, hopefully he, he could be the best of both worlds and give you a little bit of everything. Well, yeah. A little bit of a role player. Okay. So to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. All right. So we, we went through um, your realistic picks for the Knicks at 19. We talked about Mc, we talked about Jaden Springer. Uh, let's take a call real quick. And before we get to um, some picks at 21, let's hear from Papa Left. Hang on. Let me get Papa Left in here. Papa Left, what's going on, bro? Chilling, man. Um... I have I have three questions. Hopefully mm. you can get to all three. Um, my first question is how much of Tibbs uh, not playing young players is a narrative built on, you know, his historical coaching career versus what he was dealt with last year, and 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 does the hand that he was forced make him more comfortable to play young players? I know he doesn't like um, young players turning the ball over in the backcourt. I, I get that, but does that philosophy changed my second question is if the ob deal goes through for sexton is there a stretch for like a pick and pop uh kind of like player because we don't really have that or, or like even a five that you see at 21 or 32 and the last one is for uh jonathan he's one of my favorite players in college basketball the last couple of years and i just wanted to know what you think if you think he has a chance in the nba it's jose alvarado from georgia tech uh, that guy plays with so much spirit. I mean, he's really undersized, and he doesn't really have anything super special about his game, but he got invited to a lot of camps. I even saw that the Knicks uh, inquired about him. I heard from CP that they, they had a little tryout with him. So uh, those are my three questions for tonight, and always thank you guys right. for, for having such great content. Thank, thanks a lot, bro. So Tabes and playing the young players, is that uh... – is that a stretch or, or not playing the young plays rather? What, what do you think? I mean, I think, uh, I think last year might've opened his eyes a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I think he's become more open to it and, you know, going back to his past and, and what he was dealt. Um, yeah. That might've played a role in why he was, you know, a little reluctant 
and, and just the fact that he was always around veteran guys. Um, but, you know, I think last year he showed the, I mean, CP, you can, you can, you know, piggyback off this, but like, it seemed like he kind of evolved a little bit as a coach. He showed a, a willingness to play some of the younger guys. And like, sometimes Obi, he gave, you know, he gave Obi the quick hook, right? Like yeah, if, if he missed a rotation, but he put him out there every night, mm-hmm. you know, he never like benched him for like, you know, three weeks straight or anything. Like no matter how bad Obi was the night before, you still saw him the next game. And so, uh, and then with quickly and, and RJ like led the league in minutes or was up top two with Rand. I mean, he's, I think he, he evolved a little bit, right? I think so. I think so. I mean, I think number one priority was winning. Right. And so I, I think he looked at, let's say the, the, the Knox thing, right. He didn't play Knox. Yeah. I was a bit disappointed. I want to see him play more, but in Bullock, he saw Bullock as his most versatile defender in the lineup. Mm-hmm. a more reliable three-point shooter. And I thought there were stretches in, in during the season where Bullock really proved to be that guy. Um, quickly had his had his moments. Once he showed in the preseason that he could help this team, he gave quickly opportunities. Now, he, he, it wasn't, you know, prominent minutes. It wasn't major minutes, but he, he put him in the spots where he, he thought he could succeed. So I thought if the young guys showed and proved that they were ready to play, he didn't have a problem playing them. Now, Frank, Kev... I, I don't know what the future holds for them, but, you know, the, it didn't really translate for them. But I, I think he, he wanted to balance uh, winning. They, they He wanted to win, and, and they ended up doing so. You know, didn't didn't work out so well in the playoffs, but he ended up doing so. Um, stretch f- four or five around 21. You would like uh, Trey Murphy at, at 21, Boom. right? That's your answer. Trey yeah, Murphy is like your him. answer. Except I, that I'm, from what I'm hearing, he's not going to be there. I mean, I, I'm, he's... He seems to be rising by the day. Mm. Uh, I'm hearing it from his people. I'm hearing it from other teams who are asking about him. They think that he is a taller Mikael Bridges. Interesting. Uh, and great kid. He's crushing these interviews. Interesting. He's just uh, he's just an easy fit, likable guy. And his strengths are valuable. And not only they're valuable, but you know they're going to translate. Like yeah. 43% from deep, 92% from the free throw line. He's wow. a very mobile defender at his size. In fact, I think you should play him at the three. I think that's where he's going to hold the most value. Guarding wings um, and, and stretching the floor. Also greater than 99th percentile as a cutter. He's just a total off-ball guy. Mm. As long as you can accept the fact that Trey Murphy will never put the ball down really to, right. to create or do anything else, and you put four of the guys around him, and you need a guy just like Murphy. like He's the guy. But uh, for the Knicks, yeah, you're going to have to take him at 19 or 21. Yeah, I like him a lot, man. And even though, as you said, even though the shot creation ability is, is very limited, I just feel like with, with so many wings uh, in the East, in the league, you need that guy that, that can give you that versatility, man. Whether it's playing the three, playing the small ball four, and, and then to be able to shoot the three as well as he does, man. I, I love his defensive intensity, and uh, and he's a splash brother as well, man. So uh, Murphy's definitely an interesting prospect. But as you said, he could be, he, he's a hot prospect, could be going before, he's hot. well before he's 21. Hot. He's hot. He's going to go. In the teens, to be honest, that's that's where I expect. I, I put him at seventeen in my last mock. Interesting. Um, and honestly, there's not many other. You're looking for other stretch four, stretch three, or stretch four guys. Like they're they're, Perkichin is is from uh, Croatia. Mm-hmm. He's the next guy in line, but um, I think he's a little bit of a reach at 21. Although you never know with those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Murphy Murphy would be the answer to that. And the other question you were asking about Alvarado, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this kid from Georgia Tech, he is. He's like that guy in pickup ball that you hate. You hate when he guards you. Man, he's always one of those guys. Man, this guy is a pest, and and he's tough, and uh, somebody you wouldn't bet against. And so I don't, 
I don't think he's going to get drafted, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But somebody he's going to get a call quickly to join the summer league team. Mm. And he's going to play in the G League next year. And it wouldn't be surprising if eventually in the next couple of years he gets a call up. Because there's going to be some team who's like, your job is to come and annoy the hell out of the other team. Yeah. And that's what he does. And, and there's there's always a couple of guys like that. And he'll have his chance. It might not be right away. And he might not get drafted. But he'll have his chance. Another scrappy defender who you liked at 21. Uh, more of a combo guard out of West Virginia, Miles McBride. What's the intel on Miles? Yeah, I love McBride. I told I told a couple teams I'd take him in the 20s when they're asking. And, and they've been a little bit unsure about him. But, uh, man, he is uh, – he was, he was, his signature, his identity was always like speed and defense. Mm. And then this year he just really evolved offensively to the point where, okay, we could take him seriously now as an NBA prospect. And when he measured a six, nine wingspan, I mean, size was always a, a question mark with him, but a six, nine wingspan, just like quickly, like that's helpful when you're that size. And so I expect him to be another pesky defender, but offensively he, he gets into his pull-ups so easily and he didn't hit it at the greatest clip, but he made a lot of pull-ups this year. And eventually they're going to fall, I think, in my opinion, in a more consistent clip. And he was over 40% from downtown. Again, he's not hes not a guy you bring in to run your offense for 30 minutes, but you bring him off the bench to play fast, to play hard, to cause problems, to make plays. You know, 15, 20-minute guy. Like, I'm a big fan of McBride. I'd take him in the 20s. I'd certainly consider him with the Knicks' second pick. Um, his stock is all over the place. I don't know where he's going to go. I'm, I'm I'm really curious to see if he gets a green room invite, if, if teams are really – a lot of them are giving him first-round grades. But he's the classic, like, fringe first-round guy who teams are are asking around about. I talked to a scout the other day who had him as a mid-second rounder, and I told him, you got you to gotta move him up, bro. And he's like, all right, I'm, I'm doing – I'm going to do my homework. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm willing I'm, – I'm open to moving him up. And so uh, I, we'll see how he does during workouts. But to me – to me, he's somebody worth taking as long as you can accept that he's not like a star point guard and you can, you know, you accept his role, which is going to be energy guy. The third guy you have at, uh, as a realistic option at 21, Zaire Williams uh, out of Stanford. Didn't have a great season, um, but, but you know, scouts have seen some, some upside with him. What's the intel on, on Zaire? Yeah, I mean, he's been, Zaire has been around for a while. I mean, he was always a, a top prospect as a junior in high school at Sierra Canyon with BJ Boston and mm-hmm. He always popped six nine size, effortless shooting stroke. Uh, I think this year he he really had trouble. Well, he got hurt. He didn't play too much, uh, and suddenly his role changed. You know, as as there's veterans on that Stanford team, and he did a lot of a lot of spot up work. And but but where his stock really dropped is his his arms are so his body is so skinny. He really buckled with contact, and that that made me a little bit nervous. He's not one of my favorites because of that. It puts so much pressure on his ability to shoot consistently. Mm. And he was 29% from three this year. And he's never been consistent. The eye test was always better than the numbers mm. with Zaire. But, uh, you know, you, you kind of think about like Cam Reddish, who had mm. that, who was a great high school player, did not really get comfortable as freshman year at Duke. But talent wise, you know, you always have to think long term. And long term with Zaire for a 19 year old who's 6'9, who has a, a picturesque shooting stroke, can handle the ball. Uh, has good defensive tools. Stanford kid, he's really, really smart. He just gets things. You know, it might take him a couple years. Um, I could see the Knicks liking his his player type as as a three and D guy. Um, prefer, you know, he wouldn't be for me, but but long term, you could see him having a role in the league. Very interesting. Um, 
Another guy who, who's a question mark in the draft right now is, is Jared Butler, combo guard out, out of Baylor. Uh, he's in the health protocol. They're not so sure whether he's going to get cleared with a potential heart issue. Are you hearing anything with him? Do you, do you think his his um, prospects, Does he, do you think he drops because of the issue or what's going on with him? Well, teams are still anxiously waiting. I've, I've reached out every day to hear if anybody heard something. Hmm. And so far, nothing. And it, you know, Naturally, it might deter a team from taking at, at 19 or 20, which is where I always projected him as kind of a mid-first rounder. You know, if you don't have that clearance, it's like kind of tough to take him when there are other guys like Trey Mann and Trey yeah. Murphy who could be on the board. Um, so I do think he slips a little bit. I, I, I mean, I can't picture him leaving the first round. I could always see a team at the end of the first round being like, well, what are the chances of us finding a, a gem at 28 anyway? Mm-hmm. We might as well take a chance on Butler. You know, kind of like that, that mentality when Denver took uh, Michael Porter, despite everyone saying, oh, his back is yeah. going to give him issues throughout this whole year. You just, you know, why, uh, for a certain playoff team, it's like, well, why not? Let's take a chance. We got nothing to lose. So I think he might slip a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't see him going to the second round. But, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an unfortunate situation for Butler that this news kind of came out because there were no issues through three years at Butler at Baylor. Yeah. Um, and this was something that came up during his recruiting I'm told he had a defibrillator put in, but uh, nothing's happened since. And so obviously, you know, when it comes to the heart, you're overly cautious and it really will come down to the team, just like it did with Baylor. Like there were teams at colleges, I think who didn't want anything to do with it. And Baylor said, you know, we're willing to take the chance and maybe there will be one team who's willing to take the chance. The Knicks took quickly. The Kentucky connection was there. They traded They, they ended up traded up to get him. Uh, or trading back to get him, rather. You know, I, I'm sure they liked Maxie last year. Now, this year you have uh, B.J. Boston, who came in with a, with a lot of uh, a lot of hype, sizzled out, you know, with, with his freshman year in, and, uh, in Kentucky, and uh, Isaiah Jackson. Where, where do you see these guys slipping in the draft? Yeah, Boston, like in all my years of doing this, I don't think I've ever been so surprised by a guy I ranked so high being so bad <laughs> during mm. his one year. I mean, he mm. just... He wasn't very good in any aspect of the game. Uh, but again, long-term, he's 19. He's 6'7". He clearly has a, a nice shooting stroke. He actually shot 40% from downtown his last 10 games. And so from the scouts I talked to, people not only are people off the wagon, but they don't like his game. They don't like his attitude. Um, and so I think he's going in the second round, which to me, if you can you know, take a chance on him in the second round, that's, that's, that's a, a risk worth taking. Yeah. Um, and then Isaiah Jackson to me, I didn't really see it on film. Um, every time I watched Jackson, I was underwhelmed. Obviously he's a big time shot blocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, in my mind, I'm kind of picturing a Mitchell Robinson type, but he's right, not as right. big as Mitchell, you know, his, his job, at least the first couple of years, just like Mitchell is going to be catch lobs, finish misses, run the floor, block shots. Like that's it. Don't put it down. You know, you're not going to take many shots outside the paint. He does have some touch in the mid range. And I think with his quickness and his motor, he's got the chance to be a very good defender, but he fouled a lot. Like he didn't have, he's one of those guys, like sometimes with Mitchell too, and not to knock on Mitchell, but sometimes the shot blocking wasn't always reflective of his defensive impact. Mm-hmm. And so Jackson has the tools to be a awesome defender, but it's going to take him a couple of years to figure out how to, how to play the whistle um, and how to, you know, anticipate and not foul and offensively like, you know, how long is it going to be till he could start make mid-range and outside shots and put the ball on the floor? He didn't really do much of that this year. 
So I think, you know, Jackson is, is a fine pick in the 20s um, for a team that, that's looking for a lob target, an easy bucket guy, and a defensive activity guy. But I think, you know, if you're looking for upside, you're not going to get it for – if you're going to get it at all, at least for a couple – yeah, three seasons. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how, how they play the uh the, the front court uh depth, you know, with Mitch entering probably his last year of his deal, one point five million dollars. They, they, that's a steal. I wish the kid would be making some more money. Um mm-hmm. I I think I gotta think Noel goes elsewhere and, and gets maybe a multi year deal. I think he's earned it. I don't think the Knicks invest there. I don't like Pell. Um, so I'm, I'm interesting and they, and they, they like were quick to like sign him to a multi-year deal, which I didn't understand, but, um, yeah, I'm interested to see if, if they try to get some insurance in the draft or maybe, you know, undrafted free agent or something like that. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious if they keep playing the Kentucky card, like, like, you know, I could easily see them looking at Boston and being like, well, this kid was, you know, a potential top five pick a year ago. Maybe he just had a cold 20 games. You know, sometimes we forget right. like college basketball season is 30 games. Maybe he just had a bad 20 game stretch because his last 10 games, he shot 40% for three. And so, uh, you know, if, if there's a team that values Kentucky players, at least, you know, with this new management and Leon, uh, maybe they take a chance on him and, and same thing with Jackson. And, and I know some people who think Jackson has like way more offensive skill than he was able to show in Kentucky. Obviously, if you look back at the history between hero and, and Booker, and, uh, you know, there's just guys who in that system with so many all, uh, all Americans, you just don't always have the opportunity to showcase your full skill set there. You have a role to play and you play it. Yeah. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Knicks kind of are seeing buy low opportunities in these Kentucky guys. So to everyone in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. CP Jonathan Wasserman here, another edition of the NBA Draft Q&A. We're going to get to some more calls in a second. If you guys are new in the chat, leave us a hashtag new and uh, and we'll shout you guys out. Definitely want to shout out uh, Gotchi Open. Uh, one of the gamers on Twitch sends us a super chat, so definitely appreciate that. And uh, yeah, call us up, 657-383-1509 or Knicks Fan TV Discord to get your question in. Uh, Jonathan Nix also sitting at 32, uh, which which is an early pick in the second round, and then 58, which is like one of the last. Who do you see uh, maybe at 32 as a potential sleeper pick? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is like 32 and 21, it could be the same yeah, group of guys. Right, you know, right. I have no idea if a guy who I think they're targeting at 32, they might take him at 21. Yeah. Um, Quentin Grimes is somebody, uh, Houston guard, former McDonald's All-American, transferred from Kansas. Um, good combine, right? To the final four. What's that? He had a good combine, Quentin Grimes. He had an awesome combine. He's the best player on the floor in both of his scrimmages. Um, and uh, he just he just screamed pro. Like his vibes were just like, this kid's a pro. And maybe that means a seventh man for the rest of his career. But if you get a seventh man at the 32 pick, yeah. that's, that's a win. Yeah. And so uh, he brings a lot of the things the Knicks are looking for, which is shooting, secondary playmaking, toughness, high IQ. You know, he just screams role player. And so uh, to me, he's somebody who definitely helped the stock. And if you're a team who's just looking for a guy to contribute on the rookie contract for the next couple of years, he is clearly an option. Um, Jeremiah Robinson, they're all from Villanova, is, is a, a, a big guy. And, you know, I don't know. Again, Knicks have their fair share of power forwards, but to me, he is a, uh, he's a very fundamentally sound player who I could see um, attracting any team, honestly, at from picks 31 on down, pick and pop guy, just uh, 
does everything really well. Nothing too exciting, but just a mid-range shooter, good rebounder, good hands around the basket, smart player. Um, and then Zaire Williams, who we talked about before, like I could see him slipping in this draft. And, uh, and Bones Highland from, from VCU, VCU, who also had a big-time combine who – you know, if if you're, you get to you have to squint sometimes to realize you're not looking at Emmanuel quickly. They have a very similar game, very similar hairstyle. They're actually boys, and uh, and they're, you know, if, if the Knicks saw success in quickly and they say we can get another one just like him, um, Highland has got to be somebody they think about. Although I'm I'm also told he's he is a good shot at going in the first round. Um, Charles Bassey from Western Kentucky. If they're yeah. looking for an offensive big man. Big man you know, they have these defensive centers. Bassey to me is somebody who uh, is maybe undervalued just based on the fact that people are kind of losing interest in going after centers who don't play any other position. Mm-hmm. But Bassey is a seven footer, big time athlete. He's very skilled. Um, and uh, I think if he wasn't at Western Kentucky and he was doing what he was doing somewhere else, he'd be a lot more highly regarded. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Gotcha. 
Got you. All right, guys, we're going to get to the phones. And, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate all the time, Jonathan. Great insight as usual. All right, back to the phones we go. Angel from Philly. Angel, what's going on, man? Yo, what's good, CP? Jonathan, how you guys doing today? Good, man. How you feeling, bro? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Hey, first thing first, y'all. Hit that thumbs up to your boys. Um, hey, listen, I wanted to uh, ask you a question um, about uh, how do you guys feel uh, about uh, Nashon uh, Highland from VCU? Oh, you um, he, just shot eight, he shot 86% from the free throw line. He shot 44% from the field, 37% from three. But he did average 1.9 steals and then three uh, three threes, at, you know, every game. And, um, you know, 4.7 rebounds per game also. Because I honestly think Trey Mann and Cooper, I think the only way we get any one of those guys right there is if we move up in the draft order. Um, you know, so I just – I don't see any of them falling to 19. You know, when you look at how Phoenix plays and how Milwaukee plays, you know, shooting is, is you know, you got to be able to shoot nowadays. And I just don't see them falling to 19 or 21. Um, so in terms of maybe uh, making a trade to move up, I really, the Warriors, I mean, maybe if you take on, you know, Andrew Wiggins' contract and you get that seventh pick and you give up 19, 21, maybe 32, maybe Kevin Knox added to that, that'll work. But I just, you know, we really need shooting, man. I'm just done with Alfred Payton. You know, he missed too many layups. Yeah. You know, I'm done with Frank. You got to go, you know. And shooters, we man. need someone where, you know, we just need someone that is a threat offensively. This team will be completely different if we can just have a point guard who can get his own basket, you know, because yeah. I don't want to see next year Randall, you know, having the ball all all, all game, you know, and – we just we need that there offensively at the point guard position, but also as a floor general, you know. And I, I would look at OKC also, you know, maybe Shea Gilders Alexander, um, you know, because they got a ton of picks, you know. And yeah, but I, I don't know I just, if we're gonna you know, get Shea Gilders, man. I appreciate the call, man. I th- I think Shea Gilders is is out of our price range, man. I would love to have him. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I would love to have him, man. Uh, without trading RJ, but I, I don't think uh, Presti's uh, that dumb. I, I think he's got his his eyes on a prize. I don't know what you know. They got a hundred draft picks, but we'll we'll see where they end up. Um, but you, you just spoke on on Bones Highland. As far as as far as what the Warriors do, I gotta think with those picks. Even if they were looking to trade, I gotta think they're looking for something that can help them win right now, rather than you know something to invest in the future. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know who the Knicks would have to yeah. offer as like yeah, a win now, a win now asset. So, I have trouble seeing a deal with the Warriors. I don't see the Knicks taking back Wiggins' contract. Yeah, um, and and yeah, going back to to Highland, like again, if, there's there's a, it's possible that they see they saw the success in, in quickly and just kind of want to replicate it and just just do the same thing and get get another guy who can make shots and create his own. He's not a point guard. Um, so you, he's definitely not a point guard. Uh, 16% assist percentage tells you that, but so does the eye test. Like his job is, is going to be to come into a game and be that microwave instant offense guy. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, he could, that you could always have more of those guys, uh, particularly if they're the 21st pick or, or 32nd pick in the draft, but uh, he's not your answer, a point guard. And going back, like, yeah, I think I think the Knicks have a better chance of getting Trey Mann at 19 than Cooper. I think Cooper has a little more star potential. 
though because he's got an identity. Like he could be one of the top assist guys in the league. Man, I think man will be there at 19, to be honest, just because people aren't really sure what he is. Right. And that will, that will, that will scare some teams. If, if you can't really picture, you know, it's funny. Every team, every time I talk to a scout, the comparison game is real. Like NBA teams do that. And I think a lot of general managers have their scouts make comparisons for guys. Cause you want to be able to picture who that guy is going to be in the league. Not a comparison. Like he's the next Steph Curry, but like what type of player is he going to be? Mm-hmm. And so with Trey Mann, like I was talking about earlier, like we can't figure, is he Anthony Simons? You know, is he Darius Garland? The fact that you can't put a label on him, I think is going to allow him to slip a little bit, but with Cooper, you know, we know what type of guy he's going to be. He's going to be a high assist guy. So uh, somebody who I, again, we talked about it earlier. I think the Knicks should target, but you're right. I think the Knicks may have to trade up to get Cooper, but man, I think he'll be there. So to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Once again, remember this show is presented by Manscaped. Fellas, go to manscaped.com, enter promo code NYX for 20% off plus free shipping on the Lawnmower 4.0. And check out that performance package 4.0 as well. You definitely want to check it out. Uh, shout out to Tricky Nikki. What's going on, team? Hashtag new. Jay from Florida. Jay, I see you in the chat, man. I figured you, you're going to be calling in with a draft question. You know, this is your time of year. So uh, if you want to call in, 657-383-1509. We're going to take it to the Discord. Jay from East New York, you're coming up next. Make sure you unmute yourself. No speakerphone. Jay from East New York. What's going on, bro? He's taking it all speakerphone. Jay Day. Yep. Yo, what's good, man? Oh, okay. Give me one second. I got to pause that. <laughs> Jay, all come right. on, man. You, you know the rules every time. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you, you. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, I was, I was watching the YouTube. Mm-hmm. See, that's how I do it when I'm on this. Yeah, oh, yeah. I watched the YouTube, but the YouTube be a little bit behind. Okay. Right, but anyway, yeah. So, what's going on with Marcus Bagley? Hello. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, I just wanted to know what's going on with Marcus Bagley. I mean, he already talked about Miles McBride. I wanted to know about Bagley's him, but y'all already spoke about him. So, what's going Bagley? on with Marcus Bagley? He's going back to college. He's going back draft. to school. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, that's all I got for now. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, bro. Yep, sorry, bro. Yeah, uh, what, what was that? Um, what was the motivation behind him going back to school? Did, did his team feel like he wasn't ready? Or Every scout I talked to was like, first of all, he made so many bad decisions with this pre-draft process. Mm. He sat out most of the combine. Um, but I shouldn't say so many bad. That was the big one. Like, I think he kind of overestimated himself, or at least the people around him. I, you, know, you never know who's actually calling the shots. Yeah. But you got some bad advice, my my guess. And scouts I talked to, I know he was like high on ESPN all year, and mm-hmm. you know that that was probably a bad thing for him to have seen that because that was not indicative of what scouts were thinking. Scouts were asking me like, "You think he's worth drafting?" You know that was their attitude towards him, mm. and so I think he clearly overestimated his draft stock there. And uh, when he actually got the feedback about where he's projected to go, which probably said mid second round undrafted. Yeah. He said, yeah, I'm going to go back to school. Mm, interesting. Uh, all right. Back to the phones. We go Muhammad from San Diego, West coast. Muhammad, how you doing, man? So good, bro. What's going on? Hear me? Yeah. Loud and clear. Go ahead, bro. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a, I have a few questions. What do you guys think about Rokas, 
Michael Dykes. He's from Lithuania. He's like a point guard, like a Goran Dragic type. And do you guys think, because Nurse Noel will be an unrestricted free agent, do you guys believe you could find like a big man like similar to him in this draft? Appreciate the call, man. Well, start with Rokas. Yeah. Rokas is, uh, man, he's he's somebody who, who doesn't have a lot of upside, mm. but you could easily see him being a 15-year pro. Like he's uh he's he's not a point guard, he's not a shooting guard, he's a combo guard, he's very skilled, he's versatile. Uh what did he shoot this year? Um he shot like 35% from three this season. He was a good passer. He's not a great athlete, but he's just very, very skilled, very savvy. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when when Lamelo played in Lithuania, Rokas dropped 30 points in that game. That was like that was Lamelo's first game. Mm. And uh so he's he's been around, he's 20 years old. But um, he's somebody. He's somebody to think about, honestly, in the second round. To me, I've I've had him on my second round board for most of the year. Uh, it's just, uh, again, just a very solid player uh, with good experience overseas, um, fundamentally sound, high IQ type of guy. You know, if like Raul Nito, Nito can can last. Like so could so could Rokas. So interesting. Uh, it's a good question, and, and definitely somebody to think about for any team in the second round. Some more Super Chats coming in. Shout out to Greg Film Stuff. He says, we'd definitely like to hear Jonathan's thoughts on Sandro Mamu Kalashvi out of yeah. Seton Hall. As a, he's a talented center offensively who can pass. Your thoughts yeah. on Sandro? Mamu. Mamu is, um, I mean, some of his good games, you're looking at him and you're like, how is this kid not ranked higher? I totally mm. get it. I, you know, his question marks are defensively, he has really got no position where he could guard. He doesn't guard centers. He's not quick enough to guard fours. And so that's the biggest concern from scouts. Uh, you got to be able to guard a position out there. And I think offensively, I think there's a little bit of hesitation with his jump shot. Mm. Uh, but he's a big guy who could really pass. I mean, he, he averaged, I think, over three assists a game this year. He played point center in college uh, for a lot of the year. He's unbelievably versatile. He's like, if you remember Mitch McGarry from, from Michigan, mm-hmm. he's the guy who everybody thought Mitch McGarry was supposed to be. So he's definitely someone worth thinking about in the second round. Uh, he's a modern-day big guy. If his shot translates, I mean, it, it, it changes everything, then he's a no-brainer pick. And, and certainly somebody I expect to, to find a way into the NBA um, if, if he can make those shots because he can handle and pass. Just a crafty scorer, uh, a fun guy just a, a fun guy to be around and, and to watch and, and on and off the floor. Um, from what I saw in, in, in Chicago, he shot really well in workouts. And so I, I, it'll be interesting how he's doing in these individual workouts. He's somebody who's going to get looks in the second round. I don't know if he's going to get picked. He's probably 45 to 60 range, but uh, he's definitely intriguing for his versatility. He's, he's definitely a modern day big guy. Very, very interesting indeed. And speaking of Seton Hall, it just came out today that Miles Powell is suing Seton Hall for uh, concealing his injury. Uh, he had a torn meniscus. Doctors told me it was, he was on a bone bruise and he kept playing through it. Yeah, so he, he, uh, he sued mm-hmm. Seton Hall for saying that. They, they ruined his, his lottery prospects. And yeah, un- unfortunate situation there. Um, John Mark sends a super chat. He says, we need to pr- talk about prospects who worked out for the Knicks. Cooper, Duarte, Trey Mann are not even uh, in our scheduled workout. So they were at the Cooper workout. Uh, as you said, Duarte... He didn't show up at the combine, right? Didn't work out at the combine. No, Duarte didn't show up at all. Right, and and Trey Man, I don't know if they interviewed Trey Man. Based on the list I saw, they didn't. 
Um, they, they worked out Springer. They did work out Springer. Uh, I believe Zaire Williams was on that list. Let, let me just pull up the list real quick. Real quick, salute to everybody in the chat once again. So the list I had, this was a fairly, this was June, as of June 25th. And it says here, this is from, uh, they, I mean, they did interview some of the guys that are out of their range, right? Scotty Barnes, Jalen Johnson, uh, Springer, uh, Book Knight. Book, Book Knight is a guy that, that uh, they did interview. Where do you see Book Knight going? How yeah, do, I think he's going top 10. He's yeah. uh, shooting up there, right? He's it's one of those guys where like the interest is just snowballing. It's contagious. Mm. And uh, it's spreading to the point where once the top five or six guys are off the board, there's this perception that Book Knight has the most star potential left. And um, I'm 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 not sold on it, but I could see why teams are. You know, he's really athletic, six five, shot creator, three level score. Uh, you know, eighteen a game this year. Um, you know, he looks the part, uh, but he doesn't offer any playmaking at all, and so he's got very little margin for error. And he didn't shot twenty nine percent from three this year. So, uh, to me, I think he's I don't want to say fool's gold because he could eventually be like a Jordan Clarkson type, but I don't see you know, there's a lot of Devin Booker comparisons yeah. or, or Zach Levine comparisons. I just, I don't see it. I don't see it, but I, I do think he's going to go high. Seems like and, he's, he seems like he's the Pat Williams uh, of this year's draft. Yeah. In fact, I have an article coming out tomorrow and, and about Scotty Barnes is kind of like the Pat Williams. Mm. I think Scotty Barnes is going top five, maybe even number four to Toronto, Interesting. but sim- similar where pre-draft, uh, the interest just snowballs. Guys start to trend, and the teams that aren't, you know, high on him, they're like, "Well, maybe we should be because there's so much interest elsewhere." And uh, yeah, he's one of those guys who's definitely helped himself. And his film, you know, his he's one of those guys who wears highlights. It looks like you're looking like you're looking at a Devin Booker guy, but if you look at his lowlights, and I guess you could say this about everybody, but he just has he's really uh, doesn't have any real point guard skills. And he's just got such little margin for error for me with that shot that if he's not consistent with it, then, you know, I don't, I don't, I, he's nothing more than uh, than a bench score to me. Hmm. And um, it just, I have bad thoughts of Jerome Robinson as one hmm. of those like guys who rose late in the process for, for really no reason. Yeah. And, but, but I see what teams see in him. And I, again, I do expect him to go high. We, we talked about the interview Butler. Uh, or conducted a workout, Butler, Nation Highland. We talked about him, Zaire Williams, Miles McBride. Uh, how about Josh Primo out, out of Alabama? Yeah, youngest kid in the draft. And another guy who, I mean, you cannot expect any results from him anytime soon. I mean, maybe by second year, but his first year, uh, I mean, he really didn't do much at Alabama. And, and part of that was his role, and he didn't really have an opportunity playing behind a lot of veteran guys. But um, he's mostly a, a spot-up shooter. He, he really, I think, helped himself stock-wise at the Combine, uh, handling the ball, showing a comfort level doing so, which he never really got to do again at Alabama. He was mostly catch-and-shoot, and that was it. I think 50% of his possessions were spot-ups. And so 6'5", definitely a good shooter. That really creates a, a strong foundation. And then anything for a guy who's 18 years old, doesn't turn 19 till Christmas, you know, there's just so much time and room for him to improve on top of a foundation that's already valuable as again, a six, six shooter. So, uh, you know, I don't know if he's for the Knicks, but a team who is willing to stay patient to me, he's like 
you know, a playoff team should take him knowing that whoever they take is probably not going to play much anyway. You take him as some guy who, who you're going to unleash after a couple of years when you're, you're going to have some roster turnover and, and you can afford to stay patient with him. But uh, yeah, I think 1921 for the Knicks for this particular roster and where they're headed doesn't make too much sense. Uh, Christian Moretta sends a super chat. He says thoughts on Quentin Grimes. Uh, we did cover Quentin Grimes. Uh, as Jonathan said, the best player at the combine. Uh, certainly played well uh, against his competition. Combo out of out of H Town, Houston Cougars. Um, anything else you want to add on on Grimes? Yeah, no, just uh, again, a, just a total pro. I mean, I think um, made a hundred threes this season, a hundred mm. threes in thirty games. Which um, you know, just to go back, if rewind on his career when he got to Kansas. He was known for versatility. God does a little bit of everything, but the knock on Grimes was that it doesn't do anything great. Mm. Well, fast forward three years, and now he's a knockdown shooter, and he still has some of that versatility. He's not a playmaker, but he can he can make plays, and uh, he's not a scorer, but he can get you buckets. Yeah. He did shoot like poor, really poor percentage inside the arc this year, but again, between his maturity, his IQ, his tools, and shooting. Um, to me, I, it's really hard for me to picture him not in the NBA in a couple of years. Interesting. Uh, you have time for a couple more calls? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. So, look to everybody in the chat once again. Let's hit that thumbs up button for you boys. All right, let's take a couple more in here. Let's get um, let's go to my guy Jay from Florida. Jay, how you feeling, bro? Yeah, run it up for your boys. Yep. Run it up for your boys. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Yep. All of that. CP, Debbie Down back. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming with the fire. <laughs> I'm with the fire, CP. <laughs> You know why? Because yeah. Knicks fans only care about the season. They don't care about the grind. They don't care about building the team out. Oh, the fourth seed was fool's gold. Very negative for building this roster. I don't care. I'm going to say we should be around the Charlotte pick, 11. But my question for Wise is, from a scale from 1 to 10, Wise, I know you got your sources. I know you can't let everything out the back. But from 1 to 10, do you see the team moving up in the draft? Second question is, I like Moody. Moody's my guy. I think Moody's like Allen Houston part two. I think he could score off the dribble. I like his jump shot. I love Moody. Trading up, I want Moody. Late picks, I want Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy shot 43% from three. I want that ball hog from LSU, Cameron Thomas. One of those, any, any one of those three players, we walk away with any one of those three players, I'm happy. We need bucket getters. Yeah. I don't want to experiment. I want people that could put the ball in the hoop. My last question is, what do you think about that Vern's kid? The Vern's kid that worked out for the Knicks in OKC. Oh, Vern's. What's the perception of, of how <laughs> – yeah. How, how do NBA teams see him, like, putting polls on Twitter talking about who got the best fan base or <laughs> I'm going to go work out for this team? Like, like he's promoting every yeah. five minutes. He, he followed like, me, the, man. I, I was about to DM him and tell him, once you get to the Knicks, you know that's coming out of there. So I'm, I'm glad he <laughs> followed me now. So, you know, yeah, man. Appreciate it. Vern's is a character, this guy, this guy, Renz is, uh, first of all, it's funny that how many people know him. Yeah. Like this dude played in Belgium in like a really shitty league and he's didn't get invited to the combine. And like, he's got this whole like following on Twitter and his, yeah, I'm following him too. And, and yeah. he sent me a couple of DMs, sending me his workouts and stuff. And this guy's funny. Um, he's getting workouts. Like he's got 12 workouts. Um, he's interesting. You know, he's, I, I guess you guys talked about him before mm. CP on your pod, but like, yeah, he's uh, he's a six ten playmaker who made almost two threes a game. So the competition was was not very good that he played against. But I think teams are really interested to uh, to, to get extra looks on him. And uh, my man who, who called in, I love the three guys you mentioned. Yeah, 
and that, that Moody Allen Houston comparison, I've heard it before. I like it. Moody is, um, you know, Moody to me, he can go top 10. He could slip a little bit. I, I, I talked to a scout yesterday who wasn't as high on him mm. as everybody else. Um, but, uh, obviously to me, if you're the Knicks at 19, you grab them. Can they move up? I don't know. I'm sure that they're having a lot of conversations about seeing how far they can move up. Um, but also like if there's somebody specifically they want, you know, if they, if, if the guy they want, they think is going to be there at 19, then they're not going to, they're not going to try so hard to move up. But, uh, yeah, Moody would make a ton of sense. Cam Thomas, you brought up and I'm glad we haven't talked about Cam Thomas. Yeah. I'm high in Cam Thomas. And I, Listen, it took me like a year to get high on Cam Thomas because mm. he's he's got the craziest shot selection. He takes – I watched the game yesterday against Auburn. I rewatched the game against Sharif Cooper. And there was this one play where he dribbled down the floor in three seconds, 27 seconds on the shot clock, and he took a fadeaway <laughs> two-pointer, and he nailed it. You know, he's, he's, he's wild, but he's such a good shot maker. Mm. And if you look at the guys, the freshmen in college basketball who've averaged 23 points in the season from a major conference – it's Trey Young, it's KD, it's Michael Beasley, and it's Markel Fultz, and that's it. Like, he did something that nobody does, and the guys who did it were studs. And so, to me, yeah, he's got some warts. He takes bad shots. He's indifferent on defense. He will never pass you the ball, but he's so good at putting the ball in the basket that I think if you can get him at 19 in the draft, you take, do it. Take the risk, yeah. Why, why um, not, man? And as long as you have a coach like Tibbs who's going to put him in his place, yeah. and you have veterans who are not going to deal with the shit of, like, taking – fadeaways with 27 seconds left or an NBA, you know, 20 seconds left in the shot clock. Yeah. Like as long as you have the right guys around him to, to kind of control his shot selection, then I think he's going to be a big value pick in this draft. And we talked about Trey Murphy earlier. Yeah. He's uh, there's no doubt that his shots going to translate. He's going to be a stretch forward who, who guards a couple positions and just a very safe pick to me. So to everyone in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. All right. Uh, Ari up next, man. Ari, what's going on, bro? Hey, what's up, guys? How, How you guys doing? doing? Good, bro. Yeah, so um, I, I, I want to talk more about the sex, the sexton talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go with whatever Jay from Florida says about the, the picks. I know he, he does his research on this, and, you know, uh, so all the guys he said sounds good. I'm with him, but listen, man. Oh, my God. Are we really going to run it? Are we really going to run the next four years maxing out Randall and Colin Sexton? Is that like what, what the plan is? <laughs> I, I don't see the Sexton thing happening, man. Honestly, yeah, me neither. I, I don't see it happening, bro. Because, like, listen, man, what I think we should do is I, I think we should use both picks. I don't think we should move up in the draft. With this, unless, like, there's someone who slips and there's, like, an opportunity. I think we should just take both picks, right, draft both of them. Right, because you know the what Jay said is right, man. It's like we were the fourth seed. Everyone wants to be in win now mode. We have to still build from the future, right? Yeah. So if you have two draft picks, this gives you two more pieces, right? I wouldn't trade Obi without not without knowing what Obi is. First of all, we don't even have a clue what Obi is. You know, we have no idea what Obi is. So before we trade him, I think we should at least get a glimpse of what he is, right? And I would just keep on adding assets and cheap pieces. You know, you could upgrade a point guard without giving Lonzo Ball four years, $80 million. Like, Alfred Payton was our point guard. He's, like, the worst point guard in the league, right? It's not going to – we have Luca Vil, we have Luca Vildoza, who who looks pretty good to me, right? And you still have Derrick Rose, assuming he's going to come back. Yeah, I think he's Maybe right. he's not – doesn't get starter – he doesn't get starter minutes, but he's good for 20, 25 minutes a game. You could upgrade that point guard without compromising your cap and, and continue to add assets and then take your shot in 2022. 
right? If you, you know, if you make both these draft picks, you draft both of them, right? Ovi you develop, let's say you develops a little bit, you know, now you have a lot more pieces to, to, to trade. You could trade Ovi, you could trade Knox, you know, you could trade these, some of these guys for a star, right? And then still make, and like a, a star who's better than Randall. Like I don't want to sign two, I, I don't want our next max guy to be Colin Sexton, who's yeah. not even as good as Randall. Like if you're going to get another max guy to pair him with Randall, he has to be better than Julius Randall. Got to be better. Or, yeah, you know, I don't need another max guy worse than Randall. So, <laughs> you know, I would just I would just continue to do the slow build and and take your shot in 2022. Upgrade a point guard. I really like Jalen Brunson. I know he's going to be somewhat expensive, but I'm a UCP. I think he's very undervalued because he gets overshadowed by Luca. I think he's a lot better. The eye test says he's a lot better than what his numbers put up. And you know, everyone's overshadowed by Luca. So. You know, there's Mike Conley. You could take you could take a chance on him, like anybody. But I yeah. wouldn't invest max money in Colin Sexton or or even Lonzo Ball or borderline max money and make a, a win now move. I'd rather just be patient, add pieces to the puzzle, and then continue to improve. Cheap improvements on short contracts, and right. that, that's just my take. Appreciate yeah. the call, man. Appreciate the call. Yeah, that, I'm I'm with you on that. By the way, first of all, I love Brunson. I mean, I would love yeah, for Brunson like to be Brunson the, a lot the point guard uh, for the Knicks. Of the future, and and one of those points that you made, like we don't even know what Obi is. That's why I don't think a trade is ever going to get done yeah. with Cleveland, because like they're not going to trade for something that they don't know what he is either. Right. And so that's why I just can't picture. Sex- I'm sure the Cavaliers value Sexton more than Knicks fans do, and they're not going to trade him for a guy that they don't even know who he is, which is which is Obi. And, and then so then the other point of like of of keeping 19 and 21 and, and making picks both. I like that idea too. The I guess the argument against that you could also say well. They can move up. They could trade 19 and 21 and get into that lottery range, but also have 32, which isn't much different from right, 21. Right. So you can still get two picks, two basically first round picks, one of them being the lottery. And again, 32 and the difference between 21. I mean, the, the, you know, there's really not much of a difference between the two. So it really depends on who they're, who they're targeting. But, um, but yeah, it, to his point also, if, if there are two guys that they like, then no need to no need to trade up. Question is, will those two guys play on the Tibbs <laughs> when he's yeah. going vet heavy? You know, listen, there's, there's pressure that's that's going to come with making a fourth seed. There's no question, and they're going to try to continue to to maintain that pace or exceed it. I've, I'm with Ari. They need to be patient, continue to build, continue to to develop with young talent. But the tricky thing is, is that how much will they be able to upgrade the roster before they max out Randall? Because after that, they're not going to be able to go over the cap to sign, you know, some, some future free agents. So it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in. And then, you know, you go over the cap uh, to, to sign Randall. So uh, I- I- interesting spot that they're in for sure, man. Def- definitely interesting spot. Uh, but watch, man, I-, I definitely appreciate you uh, giving us some time and some valuable insight on the draft two weeks away from the draft, man. Um, definitely appreciate that. W- what do you have upcoming uh, in terms of content for, uh, for Bleacher Report? Uh, man, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, buzz articles, mock drafts, big boards. I'm flying to Atlanta to do, uh, NBA TV's mock draft show on the 27th. Nice. Actually during the draft, I'm going to be in Orlando for NBA top hundred camp. Okay. They, they scheduled this, uh, during the draft, Interesting. Uh, the, the top high school prospects. So I'll be there. But, uh, in terms of draft stuff. You know, same old two two weeks left. So any anything I, I hear, I'll I'll try and get it out to you guys. 
Sounds good, man. I'm, I'm sure it has to feel good to be able to get out and about this year as compared to last year, you know, in terms of valuing prospects and stuff like that. I'm also glad that the draft is not in November, so I don't have to talk about, like, Kate Cunningham every day for another four months. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good, man. Uh, just drop your Twitter handle for, for the people in the chat so they can follow you on, on Twitter. NBA Draft Wash on Twitter. NBA Draft Wash. Jonathan Wasserman, thanks again. And uh, thanks again for joining us, man. Really appreciate it. All right, CP. Thanks, man. All right. That was Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report. Hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Got some great insight on the draft, man. Always appreciate him coming by and dropping some intel on us. So what do you guys think, man? Who were some of your uh, prospect ideas at number 19, 21, 32? What are you guys thinking, man? Remember, this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com, enter promo code NYX for 20% off plus free shipping. New Lawnmower 4.0, fellas. Do not be caught lacking. It is summertime. Make sure you guys uh, take care of that. Uh, you know, just make sure you guys take care of it, man. You can't be going out on those dates and everything, uh, you know, sweating and all that. So make sure you guys take care of it. I'm going to take some more calls, man. I haven't been on for a little while. So I'll, uh, I'll take some more calls to wrap up the show. Definitely appreciate everybody for tuning in. Who, who we got in here? We got almost 800 people in the chat. Uh, definitely appreciate you guys for tuning in. Um, Louis Diaz, uh, appreciate you. Louis says, what's your thoughts on Eugene Amorui? My fault, I, I definitely missed that. Didn't want to keep Wise on here too long. But Louis, I'll, I'll get that answer for you uh, tomorrow or I'll put it out on YouTube. So definitely make uh, make sure you tune in. Greg Film Stuff says, last one. <laughs> How do you feel about Vrenz Blindberg? So he did mention Vrenz as an interesting prospect. Knicks did interview him. As my guy Raphael said, uh, Knicks also uh, interviewed uh, Blindberg. And Raphael was kind of the first one to kind of uncover him and, and get an interview with him. So make sure you check out, go to NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. Check out Raphael's YouTube channel. He's got an interview there with uh, with Vrenz Blindberg. So we'll see what happens, man. Certainly some interesting prospects. Smarty Jones, thanks for the super chat. He says... Uh, Good chat. Yeah, it's always a good chat with uh, with Waz and all these guys, man. These guys eat, sleep, and drink the draft. So the, this is where you got to come to to get your intel because uh, you're not getting it from anywhere else. I, I can guarantee you that. We're getting the best of the best, the guys that watch these guys on a daily basis, and, and we definitely appreciate them coming on and, and giving us some time. Will from L.I. says, what's his idea of, what's the idea of Corey Kispert? Really long for a strong wing in the draft. Kispert's my guy, man. I, I like him a lot. Uh, the wing versatility, obviously a sniper, a sharpshooter, but could put the ball on the floor. And, and I think we could use that. As I said, he he's my Joe Harris prototype, even though neither one of those guys played too well when it mattered most. You know, it is what it is, man. Players have bad games, so can't uh, can't knock him totally. I still think Chris, Chris Kispert is going to be a good pro. Washington's recent mock draft had Kispert going 14 in Golden State, which... The rich get richer, man. Another shooter going over there to be a splash brother with Stephen Clay. And we, we don't even know. We don't know where uh, when Clay's going to come back. So I think Kispert would, would definitely be a good insurance policy. And, and also Wiggins. You know, people mention Wiggins being a, a potential, um, you know, trade piece again. I don't, I don't see Golden State being that motivated to get out of that contract just yet because I think they will, uh, they'll, they'll use, uh, you know, Wiggins as, as insurance. They bring Trey back as they bring uh, Clay back slowly. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Val from Jersey. Val, what's going on, bro? How are you? Good, man. How you doing, um, Val? I have a, 
Good, good. I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. Being that you Randall reverted back to the Fisdale Randall in the playoffs and Obi kind of looked like he was trending upward, yeah. I think you brought up some early that the Knicks would be hesitant to kind of giving him the money because that takes away from future free agents. Do you think this is the year the Knicks kind of have this Randall versus Obi thing where you see should we keep Randall or should we keep Obi because – we can't afford to max out Randall if he's going to only take us to the first round and we lose. Basically, the Tracy McGrady Randall. We can't afford to pay him all that money and we lose every year in the first round. So do you see a scenario where the Knicks kind of do a OB versus Randall to see which one is the better fit for the future? Thank you so much, by the way. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it. Um, no, nah, not necessarily. I don't think they play it like that. I don't think they play a, you know, trial by combat sort of thing to see who sticks. I think they know Julius is, is our guy. Uh, for better or for worse, and Obi's just, they got to figure out how, to, how the whole Obi thing is going to work. Are they going to play them in a small ball lineup? Can we finally see Obi and Julius in a small ball? That was my fault, I had, uh, had ESPN playing. Are we going to finally see them in a small ball lineup? Because to me, that's the only way you're really going to truly be able to tell what you're going to get out of Obi's by playing a minute. And how are you going to play in minutes if it's not going to be at, you know, a small ball five in tandem with Julius? Are we ever, you know, you got to ask yourself this. Are you ever going to see a situation where OB and Julius are closing the game for you? Not likely. Not with Mitch there and not with Tibbs valuing rim, rim protection and having a more traditional big out there to help anchor that defense. I'm not so sure. I would like to see it. You know, I think, I think we could potentially create some advantages there. By playing Obi Small, and and uh, that's if he he's knocking down his threes. But I think a, a big factor in his development is going to be uh, the personnel who he's with. You know, we mentioned Cooper. You know, you bring in Cooper off the bench with Obi. That that's box office. You know, is it a Conley? Is it a Lowry? Some you saw Derrick Rose's impact on Obi. Uh, uh, last year. So I think the personnel is very important in terms of his development. And then in terms of the Randall Max contract, I think they're going to go into free agency with it. I don't think he's going to take that first deal, which I forgot what it was. I think it was around like four, four years, 125 or something of that nature, um, which would have like equated to like the 30 something highest paid contract in the league. No, I think they'll go into free agency after this season. And, and I think he'll bet on himself. Um, I think it's just a cost of doing business. I think they're going to give it to him regardless. I don't think they're going to walk, let him walk. And I don't think there is a deal out there uh, in terms of trade where you're going to get comparable value based on what he's given you at least last year. What happens this coming season, we'll see. When the fans come back at full steam, we'll see who he, who he becomes. You know, We'll see who he becomes. But I think he's, he's earned the respect to, to give himself a full year for us to evaluate and, and see who this guy truly is. But appreciate the call, Val. Def- definitely appreciate you all uh, tuning in, man. All right. Let's go to, oh, I see the closers on the line waiting. So we're going to go to him last, obviously. Let's go down to ATL. Courtney, what's going on? What's going on, boss? How I, you doing, bro? I, I appreciate you tagging me in. Appreciate it. I reached out the other day. I couldn't make it. But, uh, I am hot on this. I was going to leave the Colin Sexton thing alone. Mm-hmm. But since we're talking draft and Colin, we can do Let's it go. all in one swing. Let's go. I agree with the the, the, the previous people that I was on. Mm-hmm. We don't need Colin Sexton. It's not that Colin Sexton ain't good. I'm a Colin Sexton guy. He fits Tibbs' personality. He makes plays. He's not a playmaker. 
the New York Knicks need two playmakers yeah. and a three and D at the three position, a younger version. Bullock mm-hmm. can go to the bench. They need playmakers, yeah, people who playmakers. pass people open. The reason we, we didn't get the best of Obi is because Obi's sitting there waving his hand or running sidelines and nobody can talk nobody to him. Nobody's finding him. Nobody's not creating plays. Not quickly, not anybody, man. Nobody finding Obi. Quickly, man. nobody was doing it. You couldn't get quickly to get hit with clean catch and shoot. Yeah. They need playmakers. Yeah. They need two point guards who, who can make plays. Like, that's what they do. That's why I am so high on Cooper. Yeah. But worst case, I believe Cooper is going up. I, I just want to know what you would feel mm-hmm. if you walked away from this draft and the Knicks need to keep both picks. They do not need to overpay mm-hmm. for a point guard. The only guard, point guard I would pay for in this draft, uh, in this free agent class, is Lonzo Ball because he's an elite passer. He will pass. He will make Obi a better player he will make obi i mean he will make mitch a better scorer mm-hmm. he won't miss rj running down on the right hand side clean as many times as we watch alfred payton do it this year i would take him because he's a playmaker and this generation of, of basketball yeah. is about friendship and it's about relationships mm-hmm. and lonzo ball has friendships and relationships and it would also help for all the Knicks fans who want zion williamson he loves lonzo ball so this would help you guys who love him and i personally believe at some point his brother is going to force his way to play with each other <laughs> so why not get lonzo in the early side but never mind that yeah. i would like to know how you would feel if you walked away with your Knicks draft and it was trey murphy and jason preston was your first two picks yeah. i don't know too much about preston i heard he, he's having a uh a, a good workout and his stock could be on the rise but i like murphy a lot I like Murphy a lot, and and uh, I, I think he could certainly help the Knicks from day one. You know, with the shooting ability and the defense switchability is, is key. You know, I, I keep still, I'm still having nightmares about those Hawks, man, and, and them throwing so many of those wings out there at us, man. You know, whether it's Herder, Bogdanovich, all those guys. You know, having a guy like a Murphy out there uh, that can guard multiple positions, whether it's the three or the four, uh, I think he'd be clutch, man. And he brings that defensive intensity. You know, to to the dance, like you absolutely. Don't, you don't Mike, have to worry about Mike him. Conley. I'm hearing, a, I'm here, I'm hearing a lot of Mike Conley, and a lot of people. We do not need Mike Conley. Mike Conley is consistently injured, yeah, and yeah. consistently not around when it matters most. The New York Knicks have dealt with enough injury prone, high paid players. We don't need another one. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Well, we, the thing, we absolutely I'll say, do I, I, not need another. One. I will say this: I, I'm with you that Conley, um, he is often injured, and and that certainly, um, you know, calls for a red flag, no doubt about it. Um, but as I was saying in my um, in my point guard show with Macri, I think it still is important mm-hmm. whether they do whether they do go get Cooper or any guard, whether it's Man or or whoever. I still think it's important to have a veteran presence at the point. Uh, for this team to continue to help these young guys uh, get better. You know, Rose was great. I I loved Rose in his spots. He can't start. And so, you know, while while I'm leery of giving Lowry the money or even giving Conley the money, I think those are the two guys that uh, I would trust in terms of helping these young guys get better. Whether they're available on the court, that's another story. Uh, The Lonzo thing is the same with Sexton to me in that uh, you got to pay twice. And New Orleans, nah. according to Shams, he's saying that you know New Orleans, they have their certain price for Lonzo. If he gets a if he gets a crazy deal, they'll let him walk. But you mentioned you mentioned Zion. Zion likes Lonzo. 
So loves them. You know, I don't know. You know, I, I think Lonzo's still going to cost you. I think Griffin is a, he's a savvy GM. I think he'll still cost you. So I'm not sure if they go there either. Um, especially when Ian Begley came out with a a article today saying that Knicks are trying to keep the cap flexible for 2022. I'm a thousand percent. I I, I want you to check out before I hang out. I do want you to take your time and I want you to check out Jason Preston as a cerebral high IQ point guard. We'll do. That's a kid out of Ohio, right? A kid out of Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he'll be at won't cost us anything, and he it, it, look at it kind of like a better, a little bit better version of Malcolm Brogdon, a better passer. Interesting. I and mean, a little bit taller. Okay. Pre- appreciate the call, man. Definitely appreciate you tuning in. Bro. Thank you. Courtney down in ATL. Appreciate the call, man. Yeah, I think it was I think it was Wasserman's uh, most recent article said he was a he was a fan of uh, Preston, or that Preston was uh, doing well. In in the latest um, in his latest workouts, so it seems like Preston is trending up. The closer, ladies and gentlemen, Jay Boogie from North Carolina. Jay Boogie, what's going on, bro? Salute, salute, salute. Three capital S's. Let's go. Shout out to the whole chat. God blesses and blessings to you all. Yes, sir. Hope everybody continue on staying healthy and safe, loving and missing y'all. But you know what? It is not the off season. It is still the on season. Like yes. I said the last time. Phone calls are being made. A lot of conversations are being brought up. A lot of conversations don't need to be brought up. Let me go ahead and just, you know, nip this in the bud. All that Colin Sexton, I'm going to tell you, leave Buckwheat over there with the little rascals out there in Cleveland. We do not want him in MSG. For what? It's like a quarterback. When you draft a quarterback, you find out if he's your quarterback for the future on his rookie contract. The man has done nothing on his rookie contract. I don't care about him averaging an empty 24 points per game. If I got in shape, I can go to Cleveland and average 12 points a game. If you got some bums, that means anybody can score. Let me end that right there situation right there. I didn't know who Jonathan was, you know what I'm saying? But until I saw the show, I wanted to holler and take the J and put it in front of the world so I could know who J was. But he tipped <laughs> out on me, you know, just a little wordplay real quick, you know what I'm But um, just to um, put this out there real quick, my little dream scenario, what I would love to see happening next my starting five next year, it'll be it'll be Malcolm Brogdon at the one, and it'll be RJ at the two, and it'll be Duncan Robinson at the three, and it'll be Julius at the four, and it'll be Miles Turner at the five. I like that. That's what I, I would like, like that, to bro. see. You I know like what I'm saying? Too. Because it also will free up that cap space for that big crop just in case that doesn't work. But with that roster right there, you know you got defense, you know you got shooters, you know you got leadership, and you know you got a fighting squad. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But also, with this draft thing going on, yay. When it gets to number 19, I'm going to tell you, it's like three players. If that boy Murphy is up there at 19 and I still got an option between Cooper and still got an option between man, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get that boy Murphy. Yeah, I know his upside is real high. He's down here with me. I don't see him in action. I know what he can do, and I know what his promising future is looking like. I'm telling you something. That boy is going to be something. And them the type players that we need, somebody that can go all the way out with all complete 
complete athleticism and want to play deep and going to play with heart. 100%. That's the type of person. Only reason why I pick him at 19 because I'm gonna play the field with 20 and tw- with 21 because I'm gonna get one of them point guards. Whether I'm gonna get Man or whether I'm gonna get Cooper, and that'll solidify me. But oh my God, when it gets to the 32, I also know we need a big. Did y'all see that boy hit his head on the rim? Oh, man, oh my man. God, that, that, kid, that boy Sims. Man, stop playing with me. Don't forget we also going to need a big. Because now you got Noel talking. They, they, the conversation is going on. He might go to Brooklyn and all that. They back on that. I don't care what y'all do over there in PK, man. It's an orange and blue city. It's an orange and blue state. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what y'all do. Matter of fact, go go get the whole league. You know what I'm saying? Do what you want to do, man. But this is orange and blue, and this is our city, and this is our state. It's going to be here for not only now, but forever, ever, ever. Forever, ever, forever, ever. Yeah, just like that man god bless to everybody man y'all continue to stay healthy and safe man just know that thing is still out there i don't care about the vaccine or nothing you know what i'm saying still work on what you need to work on you know what i'm saying you know people falling in the protocols you know what i'm saying and hope cp3 don't go into that choke protocol because you've seen chris Milton, he looked like the young paul pence don't let milwaukee win game five they're gonna come back and serve milwaukee like it need to be done man god bless you all man we talk to y'all the next day man Two fingers stuck together. Peace. The closer, Jay Boogie, with the on-season close. The on-season. Don't get it twisted. That's my guy, man. That's how you close the show. Jay Boogie, definitely appreciate it. What do you guys think about last night's finals game, man? I thought it was a hell of a game. Hell of a game. You know. Um, CP3, I don't know if it's if it's the hand injury. You know, he has some torn ligaments there. I don't know if it's that or just an off night. You know, we saw Booker have an off night. He only had 10 points in, in game three. Well, game four, he came back. I thought, you know, I don't think, you know, the the, the Mamba, the, the Kobe comparisons, I think, are a bit overdone. But if there was ever a night where he looked like Kobe, it was last night, man. You know, with the points and the fouls because they gave Booker so much leeway, so much grace. It was crazy. But that that's the NBA. You know, you know the NBA has that... Uh, they have that trick bag where, you know, they, they got to keep it entertaining for the people at home. So, you know, the Booker thing was hilarious. But I thought that game was, was great. I love that it's tied 2-2. I don't have a dog in the fight. I just want to see a seven-game war going on. And looks like we're going to get there because I think Phoenix will, will take game five. And then uh, and then I think Milwaukee will take game six. So, I think it'll go seven. Definitely think it'll go seven. But either way, great show, everybody, man. It was great to be back on. Had a great show. Definitely want to appreciate uh, Jonathan Wasserman, Bleacher Report, for coming through. And we got a couple more of these to go. Two weeks away from the draft, we have a couple more of these to go. Um, Next week, we're going to have my guy Derek Murray from BasketballNews.com and also uh, Babcock Hoops. He was a great guest of ours last week. Uh, last year, rather, and uh, and he's been out on the road just like Waz, you know, scouting a lot of these guys. So we're gonna bring him in. He was supposed to come in on Tuesday, uh, but because of the technical difficulties I had on on uh, on Tuesday earlier Tuesday, I canceled that one. So he'll be here uh, next week. Tune in for that show, and then we'll have uh, I'm gonna bring my guy Jack Pilgrim from Kentucky Sports Radio to do a deeper dive on uh, on Isaiah Jackson, BJ Boston, and get his thoughts on the lay of the land there for the Knicks. We'll do a mock draft. We're going to bring back some of our previous guests. We'll do a mock draft and get you guys involved in that as well. And then, uh, yeah, July 29th, we will uh, get to it. 
you know, the wait will be over. We'll see what the Knicks do. And uh, in between that time, we'll, we'll get into some more Knicks offseason stuff. We'll, we'll wrap up the season, our play awards, cut them or keep them, see which free agents we want to take a look at. We did our free agent point guards and, and trade targets with Macri. We'll do a free agent uh, wings because those are the two positions of, of uh, greatest need. And, yeah, man, we're going to keep it rolling. That Next thing you know, out to Vegas for Summer League. Hope to see some of you guys out there. And then, uh, yeah, man, we're going to keep it rolling. And, and uh, before you know it, the season will be here. So stay tuned. Keep it locked. Hit that thumbs up on free boys. Let's get those likes up. How many likes we got right now? How many likes we got? 306. Let's get that up there. Let's get 100 more likes going. We got 640 people in the chat right now. Let's get 100 more likes going. Let's get the 500 likes before we get out of here. We had a great guest in Jonathan Wasserman giving us all the intel as he usually does. So we definitely appreciate him for that. Remember, this show is also available in audio podcast format. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, all the major podcast platforms on the Knicks Fan TV. So no excuse to miss it. If you guys miss it on video, you can listen to it on audio, whether you're in the car, you're driving Uber, you're driving the, the trucks late night. Salute to all you guys who are on the grind right now. And uh, yeah, man, tune in.